They won, right? So that's a blessing. Uh, we've been talking about teams. You know, I was watching a program on the History Channel last Thursday night, and the program was about SEAL Team 6. Now, if you don't know what SEAL Team 6 is, SEAL Team 6 was that elite squad of American Special Forces that was responsible for killing Osama bin Laden. During one segment of that program, Michael Conyers, who is a SEAL training master chief, said this. He said, in my experience, I have found that it's not the men who are physically fit. It's not the men who are most mentally tough. It's not the men who are most genetically gifted that make this elite SEAL team. He said, I have found it's the man who's willing to work together with others to fulfill the mission that makes this elite team. We discovered a couple of weeks ago that if we're going to have a winning team, if we're going to have a winning team at home, a winning team at work, a winning team in our marriage, a winning team at church, then we have got to have cooperation. If Team Jesus, if Team Bethel is going to be successful, if we're going to move ahead together, we've got to trust that success will come. But cooperation is imperative. But you know, life is not all about working, is it? Praise the Lord for that. Life is not all about being successful. Praise the Lord for that. So I need to understand how I can go about serving God and living a life that is joy-filled. You know, many people in this world don't enjoy life. It seems that many people in this world just endure life. One day leading into another day, into another day, just enduring life. They say, you know, if I could just change my situation, then everything would be great. They say, you know, if I could just get rid of all my problems, I'd have it made. But there's no such thing as a problem-free life. It just does not exist. Today, we find that for four years, the Apostle Paul has been in absolutely miserable circumstances. We know that he's already spent two years in prison on a trumped-up charge. We know that he's been put on a ship headed to Rome where he's going to appear before the emperor Nero, who's not known for being particularly sweet to Christians. We also know that on the way, he was shipwrecked. After shipwrecked, he was, being, he was stranded on an island, bitten by a snake. Amen. But he continues on to Rome, where he spends another two years in prison, awaiting trial. It's during this two-year period 
that he's chained to a guard 24 hours a day. In six-hour shifts all day long. But in spite of all this, in Philippians 1.18, Paul says, And in this I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. I want to know Paul's secret. Amen? What was Paul's secret? How could he stay so positive? How could he stay so joyful when nothing seemed to be going according to plan? Well, in Philippians, I believe that Paul gives us four secrets. Four secrets to help teams succeed in overcoming the obstacles that are set before us. Here's number one. Successful teams first begin with having a proper perspective. If you would, turn with me to Philippians chapter 1 and listen to what the apostle writes in verse 12. He's writing to believers here. This is important for us to know. In verse 12 he says, But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become more confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. We all have problems, amen? Anybody without any problems? Amen. We all have problems. You probably brought some of your problems in this building today. You probably brought them in here with you today. But the way you look at your problem is often more important than dealing with the problem itself. So how are you looking at your problems? Your perspective makes all the difference. Amen. Are you able to see the best even in the midst of the worst? Are you able, friend, to see God at work even when things aren't going your way? Think about this. Are non-believers able to look at your attitude and be drawn to God because of that problem? Are believers encouraged by watching you deal with your problem? You see, Paul always wanted to go to Rome. But he didn't want to go to Rome to visit. He wanted to go to Rome to start a revival. To, to capture the entire Roman Empire for the kingdom of God, if possible. So he wanted to go to Rome. But instead, look what God did to him. Instead, God put him in prison. Chained him to a guard 24 hours a day. Those guards were uh, praetorian guards that were personally chosen by Caesar. And there he is, chained to those guards, those men who, when they retired after 12 years, were probably becoming the leaders of Rome. So think of this. God gets Paul to Rome. The emperor Nero pays the bill. 
And then he chains him to a future leader of Rome 24 hours a day. Think of this. In the two years that Paul was in prison chained to a guard, those six-hour shifts meant that he was able to witness and share the kingdom of God with over, potentially, 4,000 men. Is there a better way for God to reach the entire Roman Empire than for his number one witness to be chained to a future leader of the Roman Empire? I say no. You know, through my struggles in life, I'm in the process of learning that if I'm going to have joy in my life, then I better come to the conclusion that God works all things for the good to those who love him. Amen. Here's your lesson. God has a purpose behind every one of my problems. God has a purpose behind every one of my problems. But here's more. Successful teams also need a primary priority. Look in the scriptures there in verse 15. Paul says, Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former of those preach Christ from a selfish ambition, and some also from goodwill. Not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then, he says, only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. Say that with me. Christ is preached. That's our goal, amen? Whether we're defending women and children, whether we're teaching abstinence in schools, whether we're uh, ministering to Guatemalan children, the whole idea is Christ is preached. The goodness of God, salvation in Christ is preached. And he says, and in this I rejoice, yes, I will rejoice. Friends, it is so important to know that when things get tough, you've got to know what's really important. You've got to know what your priority is. I need to be able to distinguish between trivial things and really important things. I need to know what's really important. I can be living my life based on my problems, or I can be living my life based on my priorities. And guess whose choice it is? It's mine. All right? There in verse 15, Paul is saying, you know, not only am I in prison here, not only am I in prison, but outside there are guys who are kicking a man when he's down. There are ministers kicking a man when he's down. They're attacking my ministry. They're jealous and envious of me. They're taking shots at me while I'm in prison because of my faith. But in verse 18, he says, but what does it matter? What does it matter? The important thing is, is that in every way, whether from a false motive or a true motive, Christ is preached. Say that with me. Christ is preached. Hallelujah. That's right. Christ is preached. And because of this, 
I rejoice. Friend, Paul was not going to let his circumstances, and he wasn't going to let those critics steal his joy. His priority was Christ being preached. He said their motives may be wrong, their style may be wrong, they may have little differences in doctrine and beliefs, but you know what? Hallelujah, the message of Jesus Christ is still being delivered out there. It's still getting out. So what's the lesson? The lesson is this. No matter what, say no matter what. No matter what, our team must focus on what really counts. And that is God first. Amen. Jesus Christ first. But there's more. Because not only do uh, our teams need a proper perspective and certainly a primary priority, successful teams also need providential power. Let's read there in verse 19. Paul says, For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope. Say hope. And hope in that nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always. So now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether I live or whether I die. Would you agree that we need strength to make it in this life? Sometimes we need more strength to make it through the stuff in our lives. Sometimes we need strength just to keep on going. We're barely making it. Can I tell you, friend, this life will wear you out. This life will wear you down. This life can drain you completely. One crisis after another, it's just plain exhausting. You lose your energy. You lose your power to keep on. You lose your strength and you're about to throw in the towel. Do you know what I need? I need a fresh power supply. I need the real deal. I need something that's going to help me keep going. Well, let's check out Paul's power supply. There in verse 19, he says, For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance, get this, through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. He says, I got two things that give me strength. I got two things that help me keep on keeping on. I got two things that give me power, your prayers and the supply of God's Spirit. Do you know that the promise of Jesus Christ is, is that you will have power? You will have power through the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1-8, he says so much. He says, you shall receive power, strength. Ability, you'll receive that power from the when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. But then there's something else. There in verse 20, I want you to take your finger like this. Everybody hold up a finger. Amen. I want you to take that finger and I want you to look at verse 20. And I want to let I want you to let your finger fall on the word hope. Everybody see that word hope in your Bible? That's where your finger ought to be. Amen. Put your finger on hope. Bible, in the Bible, hope does not mean some lofty dream, okay? In the Bible, hope means trust, amen? Hope means trust. 
God or Paul was forward looking and he was trusting in God's purpose for his life. He was trusting that God would supply the power he needed, that God would supply the strength and the ability that he needed. He believed that Christ, Jesus, would provide all the power that he needed to accomplish his own work. I read about a Cornell University study that studied 2,500 POWs, prisoners of war, and, uh, from World War II. And here's what they concluded. They found that men can handle a tremendous amount of trouble. That men can handle a tremendous amount of pressure, a tremendous amount of trial, as long as they have hope. As long as they have a source where they can lean on and say, I trust in this source for my strength. I trust in this source for my supply. You know what God's answer is to our personal supply crisis? Many of you know this scripture in Philippians 4.13. The, the New Living Translation says, I have. Say, I have. I have the strength to do all things. I have the strength to face all my circumstances. I have the strength to face all the conditions. I have the strength to face all of my crises. I have it in my possession. And it's the strength and power that I receive from Jesus Christ, my Lord. You've got it. Just like anything else, any other gift that God gives, you've got to make use of it. We talk, we've spent weeks and weeks about the whole armor of God. God has provided us with this whole armor of God. The problem is, is that believers don't make use of it. We don't use it. Same thing with the power of Jesus Christ. You've got to make use of it. So what's the lesson? The lesson is this. With God's power, nothing. Say nothing. With God's power, nothing can overcome our team. Amen? Whether it's your home team, your family team, whether it's your marital team, whether it's our church team, whether it's your work team, with God's power, nothing can overcome it. If our team is going to succeed, then we're going to need a perspective that we can live from. That is, seeing things the way they really are, not the way we feel they are. If our teams are going to succeed, then we're going to need to have a priority to live by, to make sure we're putting first things first, and that we focus on the essentials of life. And that is God. Everything else comes from a relationship with God. That intimate, loving, incredible, matchless relationship with God. But if our teams are going to be successful, then we also need a power to live on. That's going to give us the strength and ability that we need to keep on keeping on. But there's one last one this afternoon. And that is this. Our successful teams need a profound purpose. We need a profound purpose. There at the end of verse 20, Paul writes, So now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. But yet, what shall I choose? I cannot tell, for I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart 
and to be with Christ, which is far better, nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of your faith. That your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Christ Jesus by my coming to you again. Friends, by this time, Paul's gotten old. Amen. Some of us experience that. Some of us don't experience that yet. But Paul's getting tired. And can I tell you that Paul is ready to check out. Paul's ready to go home to be with the Lord in heaven. And they've taken everything from him. Except that that cannot be taken. His purpose for living. In verse 21, Paul said, For me, to live is Christ. And to die is gain. Now, he's not like suicidal or anything. He's not uh, uh, you know, scared that he's going to die. He knows that death is coming. He knows that he's going to die. He's not afraid of dying. He knows that death is just a, an avenue onto better things. Amen? Uh, it's a bummer. I have to go spend the rest of eternity with Jesus. Right? Uh, but here's what he's saying. While I'm here, as long as I'm still on this planet, as long as I'm still standing upright, as long as I'm still on two feet, I have a purpose for living. Because if there wasn't a purpose for my life, God would take me home. Amen? There's a purpose for your living. So how do you fill in the blank? For me, to live is blank. How do you fill that in? You watch TV for a little while, and they'll teach you how to fill in that blank. TV advertising will, will say things like this. For me, to live is possessions. How many Chevy and Ford and Nissan commercials are appearing on our TVs? How many jewelry commercials appear while I'm trying to watch a good ball game? How many advertisings for furnishing, home furnishings, so I can fill up my home? Society will teach you, for me, to live as possessions. It may teach you that for me to live as pleasure. When you're watching a good movie, how many interruptions are made to try to sell you liquor or beer? You know what? We don't even recognize it anymore. Some people say, for me, to live is pleasure. Bass Pro Shops. Acres and acres and acres dedicated to my pleasure. You got to love it, man. They're incredible. What about the lifestyles of the rich and famous? Man, I could watch that program for eons, man. I mean, them people got it going on. Yachts and beach homes and all this other, this extra stuff. For them to live is pleasure. The ads say, for me to live is power, prestige, position, popularity. But friend, listen carefully. If you're listening, say amen. 
The problem with possessions, the problem with pleasure, the problem with power is they don't last. None of that lasts. They don't last a lifetime. They sure don't last an eternity. But Paul had a purpose in light of eternity. You see, the best use of your life is to invest it in something that will outlast it. What are you investing your life in? What is your purpose for being? Have you ever asked, why does God leave me here on this planet after I become a Christian? Why is it that once I become a child of God, he doesn't say, come on home, son? Why? Why? it's for the benefit of others the reason you're still here is for other people the reason you're still here if you're a believer is to tell the good news to other people who may not have received the Lord Jesus yet the reason you're here is to encourage other people So what's the lesson? The lesson is this. The secret of joy, the secret of a successful team, is becoming a vessel of God for the benefit of other people. Wow! That's so simple, it's profound. You mean this life is not all about me? Well, guess what? No, it's not. Because the secret of the joy-filled life is to become a vessel of God to bless other people. I'm convinced that one reason that we see so much depression in our society, one reason that we see so much discouragement, so much disillusionment, so much discord, so much division, is because for the most part, we're a people focused on self. When you see marital problems, somebody is focused on self. But when you learn, when you finally get it, when that light finally turns on, when you finally realize that you have a greater purpose in your life other than yourself, you will have more joy than you can handle. I believe God wants us to enjoy our life. I believe he wants us to have successful teams at home, at work, at church, in our marriages. He wants us to have that kind of success. 
But trouble's coming. Problems, they come. And so when they come, your team has got to remember the basics. And you've got to ask yourself these hard questions. Are you viewing your problems from God's perspective or from your own? Are you constantly in the process of reestablishing God as your foremost priority? Matthew 6, 33, Jesus said, Seek second the kingdom of God. Y'all ain't even going to challenge me on that? Seek first the kingdom of God, and all that other stuff will be added to you. Are you persevering through the power that he's already given you? Are you making use of it? You know, so many people are carrying a burden in this life that God never intended for them to carry. Jesus said, come to me, you who are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. He says, come and just give it all to me. And ask God, recharge me spiritually. Recharge me physically. Recharge me mentally. I can't do this on my own, Lord. Are you asking yourself, are you submitting to the purposes of God for this season in your life? As I look out amongst you, I see many people in many different seasons of their life. But make no qualms about it. God has a purpose for you no matter what season you're in. And at least part of it, probably most of it, is for you to bless somebody else. Remember, life is not judged by duration. Life is judged by donation. What are you putting into the life of somebody else? How are you helping somebody else? So how would you complete the sentence? For me. To live is... There's only one answer. There's only one answer that will last a hundred years from now. There's only one answer that will last 10,000 years from now. There's only one answer for me to live is Christ. My prayer is, is that you can say that this morning. My prayer is, is that you have submitted and trusted in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, that one who was crucified for the sins of mankind, that you had a, enough wherewithal to humble yourself and to trust in God's Son, and to know that after he was taken down from that cross, he was laid in a tomb where three days later he was gloriously resurrected, defeating death, and that through that, 
through that trust, you can have a relationship with God that will bring you more joy than you ever dreamt. But there are a lot of us here who have been believers. We've been Christians for eons, some of us. Amen? And if you're honest with yourself, your power's waning. Feeling a little weak, physically, spiritually, or mentally. And you need a fresh power supply. I want you to know that I and many others around you are praying for your power supply. And that if you will trust in the power supply of the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ, He will help you to do what He has purposed you to do. You know, sometimes it just means, you know what, I've had it. I've had enough of this living in my own strength. And so from this day forward, a line in the sand, and I'm crossing it and I'm not going back. Sometimes we need to draw that fresh line in the sand. Because, friend, if you're, if you're staying where you've been for the last five or ten years, if you're not growing, if you're not serving, if you're not blessing, then you're stagnant, and really, you're going backwards. So this invitation is twofold. If you're looking for that, that relationship with God that will help you to fulfill your purpose on this planet, today's your day. For those that need to draw a fresh line in the sand and say, you know what, I need that fresh power supply, today's your day. Now the decision's yours. Let me pray for you. Father God, you never seem to stop blowing my mind. Father, your word tells us that if we would only try to adopt a godly perspective, we'd view our problems in a lot different light. Father, if we would just circle around our primary priority, which is you, Father, we can know for a fact that we're doing the right thing, that we're doing things according to your perfect will. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you would help us to keep you as our foremost priority. Lord, I pray that you would also help us to understand that we need providential power. Human power don't cut it. My power don't cut it. I need God's power to fulfill God's purposes. We pray that you would help us with that. And Lord, I pray that you would help me with this profound purpose you have placed on my life. To serve the Lord my God by becoming a vessel of God to bless other Father, if the light's been turned on in someone's life today, I want to encourage them to come up and just give me the privilege of praying with them. Lord, if the light has come on and they realize, there's someone here that realizes they need a relationship with you and that that relationship only comes through your only begotten son, Jesus Christ, Lord, I pray that you would help them to step out, step forward, take that first step of faith. Father, I'll show them what your word says about how they can have a relationship with you through your son. Father, this decision time is all about you. It's not about a church or a person. 
It's all about the King of kings and the Lord of lords. His name is Jesus. Bless as you will for your glory alone. In Jesus' name we all pray. And God's people said,